0: We're continuing in the series, we're calling it Counterfeit Culture... And maybe you haven't been here from the beginning, but this is like the fourth or fifth message. They've not all been consecutively. We we gave like the first message way back in February, I think it was, where we talked about the culture of the kingdom. We laid out kingdom culture. And in the kingdom, there's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, right? In the kingdom, seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added unto you. Well, that's the kingdom culture, but what's happening in the world today is that the, the devil is releasing a counterfeit culture. He, he's offering a cheap substitute. He's offering something that is far less and, and far... Uh, below the kingdom culture that God has for us. And uh, as you're finding Leviticus chapter 20, I just want to remind you that all the things that we're seeing in our culture right now, all of the perversions and the immorality, the idolatry, the deceptions, everything that's happening, these things are not new. They did not pop up out of the uh, thin air. Actually, they have roots Deep in the Old Testament, when God was dealing with ancient Israel, he told them there are certain demon gods that you must stay away from. You cannot worship these things. You cannot give them influence. You must rid the land of these things. But the the nation did not... Resist those things. They did not cast them out. And so, what we're seeing happening in our world today is an unholy revival, a demonic resu- a resu- resurrection, a-, a renewal of all of these things of darkness. That's why on the screen we have that tagline different time, different culture, but same enemy, same tactics. Now, in Deuteronomy 32, 17, it's like the key verse of the series. It says this, They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that had come recently whom your fathers had never dreaded. The gods that came were these false demon gods. The Hebrew word is the word Shadim. It means to violently lay waste, to devastate. The Greek Septuagint translation of the Hebrew Old Testament uses the or Damion, or devil, false gods that point to demonic spirits, demons and devils, powers and principalities of, of darkness that originated back in the Old Testament times and the Canaanites and the Ammonites and some of those people. Israel should have destroyed their influence. But Israel did not, and what we have today is an unholy revival, a return of all these things. We talked a few weeks ago about the possessor, that's Baal. Last week we talked about the second demon god, which was uh, Ishtar, the enchantress. She is the personification of everything immoral, sexually sensual, erotic, promiscuous pornographic etc in Paul's day there were 100 temple prostitutes in the temple of Aphrodite Aphrodite according to all um, uh, scholars is the same derivative of that uh, uh, Canaanite god of Ashtaroth, or uh, as the uh, 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 Sumerians called her Inanna, or possibly most well known by the name of Ishtar so today we look at the third member Of the dark unholy trinity. I know you probably thought I forgot. Leviticus chapter 20. The Lord. Leviticus 20. The Lord spoke to Moses. Saying. Say to the people of Israel. Any one of the people of Israel. Or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel. Who gives any of his children to Molech. Shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I myself will set my face against that man. How many know it's a bad thing if God sets his face against you? You do not want Almighty God to set his face against you. America does not want Almighty God to set his face against us. And God says, if you do not cut off the influence of the people that worship Molech, I myself will set my face against you and will cut him off from among his people because he has given one of his children to Molech. To make my sanctuary unclean and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do at all close their eyes to that man. When he gives one of his children to Molech and do not put him to death. Then I will set my face against that man and against his land And will cut them off from among their people. Him and all who follow him in whoring after Molech. So this is the third demon God. This is the third of the unholy trinity. This is the third Demon. This is the third Shadim. This is the one that in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 7, it says that Solomon, when Israel fell away from God, when Solomon became a, a poor leader, when he fell from his devotion to God, he built sanctuaries and high places and altars to many demon gods. And in 1 Kings 11, 7, it says, Then Solomon, he built a high place for Shemash, the abominable abomination of Moab and for Molech the abomination of the Ammonites on the mountain east of Jerusalem this was in clear defiance to the first place that Molech is mentioned in the Bible which is Leviticus eighteen twenty-one, where God said you shall not give any of your children or offer them to Molech and so profane the name of the Lord your God and so Solomon allowed these altars to Molech to be established. He allowed the people to worship Molech. And I'm going to describe this for you and it's going to get very serious in this room in a little while. The Israelites allowed this demon god to flourish. They allowed his demonic activity to to increase And, and God said you have been charged to cut them off, to reduce their influence and to cut off anyone that honors Molech. And if you do not, God's eye will set my face against the man that allows the worship of Molech to continue now the righteous king josiah when he tried to lead israel back to god when he tried to have a revival he knew the first thing he had to do was destroy he had to pull down these altars he had to destroy the asherah poles he had to destroy the altars to Molech. and second kings 23 verse 10 says he defiled topeth which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no one might burn his son or his daughter as an offering to Molech. Are you ready? Molech may very well be the darkest of the dark trinity, the most evil of all the demon gods that we're exposing. He was associated with the worst kind of sin, which was Human sacrifice and the most hideous kind of human sacrifice that can be imaginable. The human sacrifice of children with the consent and the conscious decision of their parents. It's one of the few things that the Bible calls an abomination. How many know what an abomination is? An abomination is a thing that causes disgust or hatred. And there are some things, there's not a long list, that there's not, you know, hundreds of them, That there are a few things in this word that the Bible calls that is an abomination. That is something that disgusts, that is something that rouses the hatred and the disdain, the dishonor of God. And the Bible calls this worship to this demon God of Molech, and the combination of the Ammonites that was allowed to come to fruition in Israel. Molech was the name given to this god that could be translated king, okay? Now, I want you to get this symbolism. I want you to see this from past weeks. Remember the names of the other demon gods? They're all symbolic. Baal was the first one. What was his name? Baal, what did it mean? It meant Lord. It meant owner or master. So we called him the possessor. Ishtar, she was defined as some by love, but was ultimately the perversion of true love which originated in the heart of God between a man and a woman within the bonds of holy matrimony so she took everything that God intended to be a blessing within the matrimony relationship and perverted it and twisted it and distorted it so she's the author of everything immoral everything sexual everything sensual how many were here for the message last week if you were not here for the message last week I encourage you watch it on YouTube I'm not asking you to do that so I get more likes or more luxens or anything like that but you need to hear because I'm here to tell you and I said it last week and I'll reiterate it today if you want to know where the demonic delusion has come forth in our society we've got this thing they call it gender dysphoria we've got this transgenderism if you want to know where that stuff came from I'll tell you exactly where it came from it came from the pit of hell it came from a demonic god by the name of Ishtar that was called Inanna she was a demon god that was believed to have the ability to change genders, to change men to women and women to men. And the perversion and the demonic influence of that spirit is still alive and well in our world today. And it came straight from the pit of hell. Yeah, this stuff didn't come from TikTok. I know a lot of people, oh, TikTok is the source. No, TikTok might be one of the voices, but they're not the source. National Education Association is not the source. They might be one of the participants and they might be responsible for promoting the delusion. Higher schools of education, Harvard and Yale, they didn't dream this stuff up. They're promoting it. They're creating systems where this demonic delusion is being guarded and distributed, but they didn't originate it. Man is not capable of dreaming up stuff this demonic and evil. It came straight from the pit of hell, from this demon god that we exposed last Sunday as Ishtar. But today we're talking about the darkest of the three demon gods. Baal was the possessor. Ishtar was the enchantress. Molech, which means king. And my question is, what kind of king would exert such control over his subjects that they would murder their own children? So we'll call him the destroyer. Now I want you to get the progression. I'm logical. How many are logical thinkers? Let, let, me, let me go into the courtroom. I, I've got you as a jury. And I'm presenting my case. So I'm laying out a logical progression here in my thinking. Bail. If Baal is lord, owner, master, possessor, and he gives way to Ishtar, she will then intoxicate the minds of the nation. People and generations will become so inebriated beyond the point of stupefaction that it lays the foundation for the entrance of Molech, a king, which controls the very decision and choices that people make to the point that they consciously decide and choose to do the unthinkable. The unimaginable, with no remorse, no second thoughts of any kind. Now, this is going to get very serious, and I don't make any apologies for it, but there might be an appropriate warning for you to just prepare yourself. Here's the first picture this is a picture of Molech, this is a bronze idol, a a demon god. That was worshipped among the Ammonites in the Old Testament. That was allowed to flourish in the land of Israel. Here's another picture. And this is a drawing. But it illustrates the Israelites. Participating in such an atrocity. That they would take their own children. And they would place their children in the hands of this Molech. This demon god of the Ammonites. And this third picture is probably the strongest of all because it shows the hands of this bronze demon god holding a little child. Technically, what I really understand is the the hands of this demon god were were shaped or cupped a little more like this, not exactly like that picture. Uh, It it was cupped out of bronze into like a bowl and, and the bowl would be filled with water. And the people in this demonic Worship would bring their children and they would place them in the hands in the pool of water in the cupped hands of this demon god. And then, and I'm telling you what, right now, you can't preach something like this without weeping in your office when you study and learn all this stuff. And I've preached. I did this myself before I'm preaching it to you. So don't think there's any joy or there's any pleasure in telling you this. But as the children would be placed in the cupped hands of this bronze idol would represent the demon god, fire would be kindled at the base of the idol. And temperature would begin to rise slowly and gradually. So gradually that the children wouldn't even notice it. And then when it got so hot that they finally realized what was happening in intense pain and agony, they would begin to cry out. And the servants of Molech would be strategically positioned around the base of the statue close to the parents. And they would begin to play loud music. And they would continue to beat drums with a musical cadence and the loud music and the pounding of the drums would drown out the sounds of travail coming from their own children that were perishing and the demons knew that if the drums kept beating the parents would lose heart they would be intimidated they would not fight back and they would surrender their own children to destruction now I'm going to tell you what if You could educate yourself. I know you you know I tell the truth that I wouldn't lie, but... This is not fantasy land. This is not fiction. This is not dreamed up by, by some person that ate pizza and had a vision in the middle of the night. This is a historical fact. You can look it up for yourself. This demonic practice happened in the ancient world. And it came from the demonic god called Molech. And the people of the Ammonites that brought their deception to Israel. Children. Were considered disposable property. Even perfectly healthy children were given to this idol. It was not safe to be a child. One could be murdered at any moment, either at birth or afterwards. And even it was not uncommon in that day for children to be murdered while they were still in their mother's womb. Can I give you a statement? When pagan influence is leading the culture, the devaluation of human life is always soon to follow. Come on, let me repeat that. When demon voices are influencing the culture, the number one sign, not the number one, but one of the main signs will be the devaluation of human life. Rabbi Kahn that wrote the book, The Return of the Gods, I'll quote, says this. Therefore... When a nation or civilization turns away from God, we can expect the same values and horrors to be revived. It's not just ancient, as the same nation that turned from the Christian faith and replaced biblical values with pagan ones, namely Nazi Germany, came to view the sickly and weak as contemptible and disposable, then set out to systematically exterminate them. So too, when the Soviet government purged biblical values from Russia, human life likewise became disposable. In each case, the departure from biblical values to pagan or neo-pagan values resulted in the murder of millions. Can I tell you that when we turn to a counterfeit culture... That is the opposite of the kingdom culture. Now I'm going to just pause for a second and encourage you a little bit. How many are thankful we're in the kingdom? How many are part of the kingdom? Can I see your hand? How many are an ambassador of the kingdom? How many are thankful for the joy and the power and the anointing that you have in the kingdom? The apostle Paul says the kingdom consists of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. I'm so glad I'm in the kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. It's a culture of the kingdom but when a counterfeit culture comes All of the good culture of the kingdom gets eroded, eliminated, destroyed, viewed as suspect. It gets defiled. It gets uh, uh, relegated to, to religion. And it tries to get pushed aside. But when God resurrects the kingdom culture in the church, and I'll tell you what, there's a move right now. It's been happening for a number of years. It's certainly happening here at Family First. There is a kingdom culture. Can I say something else? I'm not asking for permission. That's just kind of my way. Of telling you it's getting ready to come so get ready for it. Not every preacher out there that talks about the kingdom is really talking about the kingdom. Come on, I want to help you for a little while. Just because putting the kingdom word or a kingdom verse up on my screen or on my Facebook page doesn't make me a kingdom preacher. A kingdom preacher realizes that we're better together and there are many Bible believing, Christ exalting churches in this community and Family First is not in competition with any of them. We're all built the kingdom. I don't care if people get saved in First Assembly or in Second Baptist. I just want them to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and get saved by His blood, filled by His Holy Spirit, and sent on their way to heaven. But I'm going to tell you what right now, and, and you just you just listen to what I say. There's a lot of preachers out there that talk kingdom. They're not building a kingdom. They're building an empire. Come on, I'm preaching better in your shout. I said they're not building a kingdom. At least not the kingdom. They might be building a kingdom, but it's the kingdom that they're the king. It's an empire. It's a dynasty. It's a system of manipulation and control. And you say, Pastor Coates, what gives you the right to say that? I I say what I feel like the Holy Ghost tells me to say. And I'll let my lifestyle back it up. I'll let 25 years of dedicated service to God, to a church that people call me from another state, hundreds of miles away by the call of God and by the vote of the people. And I'll tell you what, and I'll just, I'm just going to say it, okay? Just, just go ahead, because here, here it comes. I didn't come to Family First because I felt like this would be a good place to retire. I didn't move to Florida for the weather. I was doing just fine in Kansas City, Missouri. Because we got the Super Bowl champs. I I was doing just fine in the Midwest. I had no intention I didn't study where I want to go I didn't get on the demographics and say well you know the migration of the population is going south and Florida is growing so I think it would be in my best interest to go to Florida no what I thought was in my best interest was to follow the call of God and the vote of a people that were already established in Florida and they said come we want you to serve as our shepherd as our our pastor So I'm not building a kingdom. This church does not have the coat's name on it. It's got the kingdom name on it. And it's the church of Jesus Christ. And there'll be a day. I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. I didn't say nearly all this stuff in the first service. I guess you're just pulling it out of me. There'll be a day I'll probably retire. Not anytime real soon. And I'll walk away and I'll no longer be the lead pastor here. But I'll probably be what they call pastor emeritus. Which means I can still have a home even though I'm not the father of the house. I can have a grandfatherly role. I can have a participatory role. I can still have a home even though I'm not the one on the payroll. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. That's a rare model in the church in America, but it's a biblical model. And it's about time we get the Bible model instead of the religious model and there'll be a day that this church this ministry will be given to the responsibility of another person whoever that might be and I have no idea who God will, will call at that point but this church's kingdom vision will just go right on because it's not a man vision it's a God vision and he said upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it you do it, okay you see Jesus said Matthew 4:17 repent for the kingdom of heaven is what at hand now I know we normally think that just means repent stop sinning you know if, if you need to repent, then stop sinning, stop smoking and drinking and chewing and running around with the girls that do. You know, that's kind of the way I was taught when I was a teenager. You don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't chew, you don't run around with the girls that do. I knew all kinds of stuff that when I was a little teenager in my Pentecostal church, I knew everything we didn't do. I knew everything we didn't believe. I really didn't know about about the Bible And I'm not giving my church a, a, a negative thing I'm just saying in that day and age We talked a lot about what we didn't know Rather than what we do know How many are thankful we know some things And I'm not saying that arrogantly I'm not saying that pridefully But we've gotten into the word of God We hide the word of God deep in our hearts So that if I'm questioned I'm always ready to give an answer For anyone that asks of the reason For the hope that is in you With great gentleness and respect Why do you go to church? Because my parents told me to. What do you believe at your church? We don't believe in smoking, drinking, and chewing. I didn't say what you don't believe. I said, what do you believe? We need to raise up some people that know what they believe. I try my best to raise up people that know what they believe. Get you a book called the Bible. Get in it and start learning what you believe. But in the kingdom, when it says repent, it means more than just stop sinning that's a good start Um, and if you need that application then i proclaim this morning this is a word for you pastor coach do you have a word for me yeah i do stop it that's a word for you so if if that's applicable then that's your word today (laughs) you guys are going to egg me on i can see it coming hold up the order at golden corral they're going to burn the biscuits because we're going to be late but uh, repent means what? Change your mind. Stop thinking about the way you used to think about things. Stop ordering your life. Somebody said a while ago was it Pastor Bailey? If you keep on doing the same thing, you're going to keep on getting the same results. That's the definition of an insanity. You've probably heard it, doing the same thing over and over again, inspecting different results. That's insanity. So Jesus said if you want a kingdom culture, then stop thinking the way you've always thought. And when, oh, I've got to hurry here. I'll give you these real quick. When the kingdom came, sexuality was shifted in the culture from no longer being viewed as a sensual, as a sexual, as a pleasurable thing in that sense, but it came to be viewed as a sacred gift from God, holy and righteous within the bonds of marriage. It was the kingdom culture, the teachings of the apostle Paul that brought that vision into an ancient world. In the kingdom culture, marriage was known as a truly mystical relationship between a man and a woman that illustrates the relationship between Christ and his church. In the kingdom culture, children, what did Jesus say? Forsake not the little children to come unto me, for of such is, oh come on, this is more revelation than you guys can handle, for of such is the kingdom of God. The kingdom revelation is that children are not objects of scorn, they're not Results of inconvenience that could be killed or sacrificed to demon gods or aborted. But children are seen as sacred gifts from God to be treasured and valued and protected. That's the kingdom culture. The kingdom culture says that even civil government can be viewed as a part of God's overall plan. So instead of running from civil government, we need to invade civil government and raise up Bible-believing, Christ-exalting Christians that will get involved in civil government. So instead of being a part of the problem, we can start being a part of the solution by putting people that have morals and righteousness in their hearts. But if these gods of the past return, what's it begin to look like? If Baal... From the Old Testament return today. And that's a hypothetical question. That's what we call a a rhetorical question. My question, if these gods return. My question is to make the point that, guess what? They have returned. If Baal returned. The culture would begin to systematically expel God. From every aspect of modern life. That process began 70 years ago. Or so in the 60s with the removal of prayers in school. If Ishtar returned, what would the culture look like? Well, the the culture would become intoxicated with sex, sexual perversion, sexual exploitation, sexual pornography, and perversion and the very basis of that relationship what uh, this is the birds and the bees okay uh, you know I saw this on uh, social media sometimes there's something that I get a chuckle out of on social media you know years ago you had to be worried about teaching the birds and the bees now you got to be worried about touching the birds and the bees and the birds and the birds and the bees and the bees and the bird the bird the bird the bee the bee I mean it gets it gets crazy beyond beyond comprehension but what's the basis of it all a man and a woman, the two sexes, right? And now when that all gets confused and all gets diluted, it's the continuation of this perversion, this smokescreen that destroys the purpose of God, which is the mystical unity of a man and a woman to produce children that are a heritage unto the Lord. So what would it look like if Molech had an unholy resurrection? Well, it would begin to look like exactly the way it has looked. Since 1973, when Roe v. Wade became the law in the land, nearly 70 million abortions have taken place in the United States of America. 70 million children have been placed into the evil hands of a modern-day Molech. And sacrificed at the altar of convenience, pleasure, population control, family planning, or career preservation. Here's a couple statements. The price of sin in one generation often becomes the pain of the next generation. The compromise in one generation becomes the bondage of the next generation. And in the word of God... In the Bible, the sanctity of human life could never have been more clear. All human life children, the weak, the infirmed, the sick, the old, the less fortunate, the have nots, the unintelligent, the uh, ones that struggle all are considered created in the image of God, persons of sacred worth and importance. That Jesus would have shed his precious blood for one at a time. Because that's how much they mean to him. Can I digress for a moment? As you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. Where you lost your life so that I could find it here. If you left the grave behind, then so will I. I can see your heart in everything you've done. Every part designed in a work of art called love. If you gladly choose surrender, so will I. I can see your heart a billion different ways. Every precious one, a child, you died to save. So, a hundred billion voices today will shout out that God is our hope. He's our source. He's our Redeemer. I want to kind of leave you today, though, with some encouragement. I know you come to church and you say, well, Pastor Coates, couldn't you please give a positive word? Okay, I will. I'm absolutely positive that what I just said for the last 45 minutes needed to be said. I'm absolutely positive It lines up with the word of God. And I'm absolutely positive you'll not hear it on the (laughs) traditional news channels. But let's finish with this. Jeremiah. Jeremiah 49. Find Jeremiah. or, Or I'll have it on the screen, but if you want to find it. Jeremiah 49. Jeremiah was a voice. He was a voice that was calling the people to forsake Molech. And turn their hearts back to God. Jeremiah is one of my heroes. You've got your heroes. I've got mine. I have contemporary heroes as well. I'm not going to get into the Michael Jordan and LeBron James controversy. Anyone with a brain knows that LeBron James would never compare to Michael Jordan. Just just saying in case you really want to know. But I've got some heroes. How about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? They're pretty high on my list. Or if you want to go further back than that, how about Elijah? He's pretty high on my list. So is this one called Jeremiah. The weeping prophet. One that was called to prophetic ministry as a teenager. Jeremiah chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 says, Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Behold, I formed you in the womb. I knew you and before you were born, I consecrated and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I like that. Now I don't know if you read that, but the next couple of verses, Jeremiah says, Who me? You know, it's on like that Gideon thing. The Lord appears to Gideon and says, The Lord be with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon says, Who me? <laughs> Who are you talking about, Lord? I'm I'm looking around the best out of life I know is I'm the only one here. And God said, yeah, I'm talking to you because you don't see yourself yet as the mighty warrior you are becoming. But if you'll keep your eyes on me, I'll reveal your destiny. I'll reveal your purpose. And I will reveal that you are more than you ever thought you could have been. Because my anointing and power is in you. And Jeremiah became that prophet. Chapter 49. This is a whole narrative that goes for several chapters but in chapter 49, verse 1, he says this. Concerning the Ammonites, says the Lord, has Israel no sons? Has he no heirs? Why then has Milcom, that's another rendering, that's another way of uh, spelling Molech. So Milcom, Molech, That's all the same, demon God. Why then has Milcom dispossessed Gad and his people settled in its city. What's Jeremiah saying? He's saying because of the Ammonites and their influence let me ask my nation a question let me ask Israel a very important question. Where are your sons O Israel? Where are your daughters? Where are your heirs? What he's asking is where are your future warriors? Where are your future educators? Where are your future physicians? Where are your future statesmen? Where are your future kingdom ambassadors? And his point of conviction is you have sacrificed the best that you have to the temple of Molech and you've offered your children and the question was prophetically coming back where are the sons and daughters of Israel where is Israel's progeny where is Israel's future where is Israel's destiny so I'll ask you this morning where's America's sons Where are the sons and daughters of America? Where are our future warriors? Where are our future physicians? Where are our future educators? Where are our future statesmen? Where are our kingdom ambassadors? And you know very well where I'm going with this because this has been said many times. It may very well be that America has aborted its future because it has put to the altar of Molech the people that God prepared for destiny for the United States of America. Maybe the one that God ordained as a physician to cure cancer, America snuffed out at the altar of convenience. Maybe the next statesman. And I'm going to tell you what, right now there's a big difference between a politician and a statesman. A politician is the one that says what the people want him to say. A statesman is the one that speaks the truth in love. And he says what's in his heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I don't care whether you like it or not. It's a truth statement. And I'm going to speak it come hell or high water. And let the chips fall where they may. I wonder where our statesmen are today. We got politicians lining up by the droves. I'm getting ready to... Now, this is a facetious joke, so don't think I'm serious. I'm getting ready to throw my name in the hat to run for Republican nomination. But there's already about 50 or 60 of them there. Come on. Somebody said, wouldn't it be a novel idea? Oh, I'm sorry. Somebody said, Pastor, you've gone, stopped preaching and gone to bed and That's okay. I've got a license for that too. But uh, somebody said... It would be a novel idea if all the Republicans decided to unite behind one voice that possibly had the potential of winning, rather than all fighting for their own fame and their five minutes on CNN. Democrats aren't fighting for their five minutes, they pick. <laughs> <laughs> They pick their choice. And they prop him up on the stage. And they, they probably have something there as a, a, a post tied behind his back to keep him from falling over. I don't know. They probably have this, this digital conversion device inside of his mouth. So he, he's just mumbling, but it comes out and it kind of sounds like, no, I, I, I'm, I'm gone. I, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's just... The truth hurts, but anyway okay Where are, where's our destiny where's our future and this thought came to me and it's amazing when God gives you revelation in the middle of talking I'm not the perfect at this, I don't do near like Pastor Cesar does, you ever notice Pastor Omar, he's preaching along and he says, oh okay Lord, and he writes something down I said, man, I couldn't do that. I couldn't stop talking long enough to start writing. So I I just keep talking. And and if God gives it to me, I'm just going to get ahead and give it out now because I may forget about it by next week. So so here it is. This came to me in the morning service. We may have aborted our future through abortion over the last 70 years in America. And if the Roe v. Wade thing stands up, and believe me, they're trying really hard, there's a word that they say to try to get that law codified so that the Congress could overrule the Supreme Court. Don't you dare think for a moment that they don't have tricks up their sleeve. I'm telling you, they have a game plan. And all we got is just a fantasy land. Come on, preaching better, you're shouting. So Where is I going with this? Okay. The devil right now is saying, okay... Well, if abortion doesn't become my best chance at snuffing out America's future by destroying its progeny for the destiny of America, then maybe I'll just try plan B. And that is to destroy their identity so that they're alive physically, but they have no idea who they are. They don't know what they're created to be, they don't know who. Called them into the world. They they don't know their future. That they, they don't even know which bathroom to go into. They they don't even know which plumbing parts God has given them. And, and and we're gonna confuse them. We're gonna get them so misdirected and so confused that we'll we'll just sit back and laugh because they won't have any destiny upon them because they're so confused over their identity. Now, I'm not mean-spirited about that. And as you guys know, I've confessed right here in my sanctuary, and I'll confess it again today openly to you. I'm sorry that sometimes I get facetious and I realize sometimes I I get emotional, but when you people laugh, you just keep bringing it out of me. So it's really not my fault. It's all your fault. But in all reality, I don't blame the kids. I blame the demonic delusion of people that know better that allowed that diabolical doctrines of demons to continue because they're doing it for political power and for influence over people and for their five minutes of fame on CNN. I think we ought to put this message on Facebook. Actually, I guess it already is. (laughs) Pastor Coates, I've got a word for you. Well, just call my number. 1-800, 1-800, I really don't care. <laughs> just just <laughs> dial me up. 1-800, who really cares? Is that the right amount of WHO? W-H-O? No, it's too many letters. I'll, I'll have to think of a better one. But. <sighs> Aren't you glad Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah 49 does not end in verse 1? Yep. Are you there? Yeah. What's verse 2 say? Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will cause the battle cry to be heard against Rabbah of the Ammonites, and it shall become a desolate mound, and its villages shall be burned with fire. Then Israel shall dispossess those who dispossessed him, says the Lord. God says there will be time in Israel where those that tried to destroy Israel will be destroyed by Israel himself. God says to the church in the United States of America, there will be a day, declares the Lord, when the battle cry shall be heard against the <laughs> the demons of Washington and it shall be a desolate mound and its villages shall be with fire and then the church of the Lord Jesus Christ shall dispossess those who dispossessed him says the name of the Lord God. If you look a little bit further, Jeremiah 51.1 says, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will stir up the spirit of a destroyer against Babylon. God will Stir up a spirit of destroyer against the destroyer. God will stir up the spirit of the church and there'll be a spirit of destruction of everything. that I know that something needs to be built up. I know some things need to be uh, raised up. I think that some things need to be healed. But some things need to be destroyed. And God says, I will stir up the spirit of a destroyer that will come against the destroyer. And here's my final words for you today. Pastor Meredith, if you ought to come on up. How's the church going to stand up in this hour? I think there's a lot of ways to stand up. I think we need to stand up. I think we need to speak up. I think we need to vote up. Is there anybody else besides me and my wife that are not looking forward to the next 18 months of continual Political manipulation that's going to be flooding our airways can I tell you how you know a politician is lying because his lips are moving if his lips are moving he's lying now I think God needs to raise up statesmen instead of politicians because they speak the truth regardless of what it is that people say or believe but it's already started are you seeing it it's all there now full speed ahead next 18 months nothing but lies manipulation twisting of narratives for a certain audience to create a certain system of ideology and in the meantime, if we're not careful, we just sit back and, and listen and soak it all in and don't have the wisdom of anything to be able to see through it all. Don't listen to everything you say, hear. Sometimes, I've said this in a different context, you've heard me teach this, sometimes you've got to look beyond the facts and find the truth. Now, I've taught that in this respect. You, you might be uh, sick. There might be a physical infirmity in your body, you might be dealing with some sort of disease Um, But sometimes you got to look beyond the facts and find the truth Now I've never asked you to ever be God's liar I've never promoted that Christians should have this denying reality mentality Where if you say to someone that's going through an obvious physical infirmity You say to them, oh I'm so sorry that you've been diagnosed with this But I'm praying for you and I believe And and here's the response sometimes you get from that super spiritual Over the top religious crowd Who, me? Oh no, I'm not sick I'm fit as a fiddle, I'm too blessed to be stressed And I'm thinking, come on man You just got a diagnosis from the doctor that you have an incurable disease. Don't speak that religious jargon to me that you're denying reality. But sometimes you got to do this. You got to look beyond the facts and find the truth. The facts are the doctor gave me a diagnosis. He's a good doctor. And to the best of his understanding, it's an accurate diagnosis. But beyond the facts, (laughs) there's the truth. The truth is God is my great physician. He's my healer. He's my restorer. He's the way maker. He's the miracle worker. He will do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything I can ask you because I don't get my eyes from the facts. I get my spirit from the truth. Same thing in this political realm. I'm not telling you that a lot of this stuff that's coming out is not true. I don't know if it's all true or not. Who really knows? But I will tell you this. Beyond all of it, you got to find the truth. And the truth is, the next person that leads America will be the person that the church either gets involved and initiates and activates into that position or be the person that the church allows to take that position of leadership because we sat back on our blessed assurance and didn't do anything. Just like in years past, when this is statistic, I think it's accurate. I'd have to check it to make sure. But I believe it's accurate that in the last presidential election, only 40% of evangelical Christians turned out to the polls and voted. 40%. Only 40 of you in this room. Oh, I was too busy that day. Well, it wasn't on my schedule that day. I had something else. I, well, come on, man. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Let's be salt and light. Let's make some influence. And beyond just the voting and all of that, which is our duty as citizens, let's tackle this thing from a perspective of the prophetic. Let's get a hold of a promise like Jeremiah 49.2 that says there will be a day declares the word of the Lord when the church will be the head and not the tail above only and not beneath the church will have influence in the nation and I said this in the first service and I'm going to close Pastor Meredith I'm promising I'm shutting down right now there'll be a day that the voice called the church that is being told to shut up sit down quiet down, get back in your building, go back on Sunday morning and keep singing your religious songs and preaching your religious messages. There'll be a day that that same culture says, where is the church? Where is hope? Where is salvation? Where is deliverance? Because in the day of evil, when it comes, there'll be an ark of safety. And that ark of safety, just like in Noah's day, is still floating. And then the people that ridiculed Noah, the people that made fun of him, the people that said he was off his, his uh, ever-loving mind, they were the same people that were beating on the door, scratching the gopher wood, trying to get back into the ark. Because it was the only place of safety. I'll tell you what, this ark's still floating. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's been a lot of things that have twisted and turned. I've been in the ministry all these years. And, you know, a lot of things are different than the way they used to be. For Pete's sakes, we don't even sing out of the hymn book anymore. How worse can it get? We sing off the wall now. I'm being facetious. I'm getting really tired, sweetheart. Let's close this thing off. You and I are going out for Mexican food. And the, 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 see, I, 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 that was what so you called manipulation, but it didn't work. But this ship's still floating. This old gospel ship is still the way to get a person in right relationship with Jesus. Come on, stand your feet with me. I want to speak over you today. You couldn't preach like this in most churches. I know I keep giving false hopes of this coming to a close. But you couldn't preach like this in most churches. There wouldn't be liberty to preach like this in most churches. And the people in most churches wouldn't have the strength to understand what's being preached today. But Family First is different. I really believe that. I've given my life to that for all these years. There's a prophetic anointing. And if you're in this house, you're a part of it. And you're a kingdom ambassador. So lift your hands across this room. And I want to declare over you hope and power and anointing that you will realize who you are that the destiny that God has put on your life would be revealed that you're the head and not the tail you're above only and not beneath God is raising you up he has given you influence he's given you the power all the voices of negativity you're too old you're too young you're not rich enough you're not smart enough you've made too many mistakes all of those are lies in the pit of hell there's a spirit of the weeping prophet Jeremiah upon you and you're crying out to the culture today where is our destiny where is our future our future is in the children and we must honor them and protect them and nurture them because they're the destiny of God's blessing because my seed is mighty on the earth says the Lord hallelujah come on give God a praise come on give him a praise hallelujah 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 hallelujah